Hi, and welcome to Top in Tech, a global council podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about mergers and acquisitions in the tech sector and the regulatory scrutiny that comes with that. This follows the decision just before Christmas of Adobe and Figma to withdraw their proposed merger. The joint statement from the companies explaining their decision said, there is no clear path to receive necessary regulatory approvals from the European Commission and the UK Competition and Markets Authority. Now, we've covered M&A decisions from the CMA extensively this year in the wake of the controversy over Microsoft's merger with Activision. So this is an interesting moment with a new decision where the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, is getting at least some of the blame for us to revisit this topic. My name is Colin Darcy. I'm Senior Practice Director at Global Council, and I'm joined by Joe Armitage, the lead UK political analyst who's going to take us through this. So Joe, thank you very much for joining me today. Could you just kick us off by talking us through the collapse of Adobe's acquisition of Figma? What were the reasons that the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority, found that the deal, the proposed deal, was going to be anti-competitive? Sure. Yes. Good to be with you, Conan. So essentially, Adobe obviously agreed to acquire Figma for a figure of about 20 billion US dollars. And the CMA immediately set up an inquiry and they were looking into the horizontal unilateral effects in the supply of all-in-one screen design software and other types of creative editing software. And essentially, the CMA's argument, and this is an area that they've entered into a few times over the last, say, half a decade or so in particular. But essentially, the CMA was making an argument or testing theories that were oriented around this concept of nascent competition and this idea that large tech players are acquiring smaller tech players in order to destroy potential future competition. They call them killer acquisitions. And so the fear here from the CMA with respect to this particular transaction was that Adobe was acquiring Figma in order to stop Figma from potentially in the future challenging their flagship uh, Photoshop and Illustrator products. But where it gets quite complex is, of course, this is just a theory. Figma, you know, they've explored slightly rolling out some design features, but of course, it's primarily essentially a company that allows for collaboration in the website design process, not doing what Adobe's Photoshop does, which is very advanced editing of photos, videos, etc. But what the CMA have essentially concluded is that Adobe is acquiring Figma purely to stop it hypothetically in the future from creating a Photoshop challenger. Uh, but what they've additionally done is they've looked at Adobe's internal assets and they found something called Adobe XD, which is a very, very minuscule part of Adobe overall as a company in terms of their revenue. I mean, it, it amounts to a few million dollars and the team uh, it has is you know barely a couple of dozen people, and essentially Adobe XD does do what Figma does in terms of website design and the collaborat- 
Asian that you can have with with that website design process. And they've said, look, this is direct competition. Uh, we cannot allow this to take place because of that as well. But the main argument is about this nascent competition. And so they said that they they were not satisfied with the acquisition. They proposed that a remedy package would involve the divestment of Figma design uh, through the transaction uh, and indeed uh, Adobe XD. And Figma design is essentially the entire company at Figma. And so accordingly, the uh, Adobe executives decide to withdraw. One point of consistency with the controversy that I referenced in my introduction, Joe, that of around Microsoft Activision, is that point around nascent competition, where the CMA was really pushing back on that proposed acquisition was around the idea of competition in cloud gaming in the future, nascent competition in the future. And they were worried that it would undercut future competition between Microsoft and various other players in the market. And it sounds like it's a similar line of thinking that we're seeing with Adobe Figma. One thing that also came up in the Microsoft decision was a concern in the UK in particular that the CMA was perhaps a little bit out of sync with other competition authorities, most obviously DG competition in the European Commission, in pushing back against that acquisition in a much harder way. So it'd be interesting to get your reflections at the moment about how the approach that the CMA took to Adobe Figma related to that of, say, the FTC in the US and DigiComp in Brussels. Were they consistent in how they thought about the merger and how they were pushing back against it? Or were there divisions like we saw with Microsoft Activision? Yeah, well, I think, frankly, on, on, on this particular transaction, there is a great degree of consistency between you know, the FTC in the United States of America, the Federal Trade Commission, Digicomp in the European Union, and indeed the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK. And indeed, currently, the European Union regulators are, are looking at potential remedies, and apparently these remedies have been filed or maybe about to be filed in the coming days. And it looks like this may include a commitment not to tie Figma into Adobe's creative cloud package. So you know, the European Union is looking at this nascent competition issue as well with respect to this transaction. And indeed, the FTC is also, and I would add that you know the FTC chair, Lena Khan, is clearly someone who's quite robust with respect to big tech players. Uh, and she takes the position, uh, I think, that would, would, would generally align with the CMA's view with respect to Adobe and indeed Microsoft Activision. But I think you know, one of the points to your general question here is about whether or not the approach of the CMA is consistent overall with the actions of, say, the FTC and, and DG Comp in particular. And I think you know, this has become quite a salient issue because since Brexit, of course, the CMA has got to opine on a greater number of transactions that it didn't ordinarily have to do because it was subject to EU competition law, and a lot of cases were just handled by. DG Comp, but it's now the case that CMA has to opine, and I think it's it's ruffling feathers. And I, I think there is this perception that the CMA, you know, one is not particularly favourable towards the idea of behavioural remedies, and you saw that particularly with Microsoft Activision, where they initially just blocked the transaction because they weren't content with the behavioural remedies proposed, but then because of the political 
uproar. They ultimately backed down, pretended that they didn't block it, and then reopened the investigation based on the material change of circumstances, and then had some sort of hybrid behavioral slash structural remedy package that was really just a behavioral remedy package after sort of 10 years, certainly the case. And so that's one. The second is that the CMA, its decisions can't really be appealed robustly like they can in the United States in particular, but also indeed the the European Union. So you can't really appeal their decisions based on the merits of the case. So you can't get into the real weeds of the economic arguments that are being assessed by the CMA for example. And I think the other one is that they're just not very transparent. You can't really directly engage with them. They do a secret squirrel process, and then at the end, they pop up and say, well, here's our view. Whereas in other jurisdictions, you get a lot more direct engagement, certainly with the the, the merger parties' economic advisors, to really test their arguments that they make within the CMA and reach a process that is actually grounded more in, in fact than sort of this hypothetical theory that they are increasingly coming up with, with this view of sort of nascent competition. So Joe, there's two bits that May has pricked up at there. The first was around the consistency that you pointed to in the decisions between the F, well, at least where the FTC, Digicomp, and the CMA wanted to go on Adobe Figma, where institutionally they were inclined to go. So I'll, I'll pick that up first. The second, which I'll come back to, is around that uh, the the point of the CMA where there's an outlier, at least in some of the procedural elements that you've just pointed out. But if we take the first the first point, if Adobe Figma couldn't get through. If we've had Microsoft Activision, we just about got through with all the political and media muscle that Microsoft have. It's looking pretty sticky now if you're in the tech sector, and you're not even the biggest tech companies if you're looking at Adobe. If you're, one, if you're a large technology firm now looking to acquire as part of your business strategy, is there now a de facto prohibition on these mergers, or at least an extremely, extraordinarily high threshold to get past? I think that's what many people looking at the UK, particularly with a view to invest in it, are thinking, you know, particularly venture capital. People are thinking, well, why should I look to acquire assets that have got exposure to the UK market if, you know, one, I may not be able to sell it in a private transaction to, to other parties, or two, I might not be able to get an attractive proposition with respect to listing the company you know, in an IPO because m- maybe the UK's capital markets aren't as liquid as they used to be a, a few years ago. I mean, increasingly, it seems that companies are choosing to list in the US. So, so, so why even bother with the UK, certainly when you add this notion that the CMA is acting a little bit more robustly than other jurisdictions and, and seems to be wanting to sort of bolster its reputation as the premier sort of global competition agency. But they, their approach to it is to just s- seem more active and involve themselves in more global cases to, to get greater attention on their agency. Well, you know, clearly that's great for them institutionally, uh, how they feel about you know, the, the coverage they're receiving, et cetera. But in terms of UK PLC, Maybe not the best. And if you look, you know, over the last few years in particular, you know, you had the Nvidia Arm merger. You know, that was cancelled because the CMA was really just too robust. They couldn't really see a way through. 
you had Facebook and, and, and Giphy, you know, that's to say it was prohibited by, by the CMA, uh, precisely, the, by the way, because of this nascent competition theory. And, and now we've got, you know, uh, Adobe Figma as well, having just overcome the sort of trying period with respect to Microsoft Activision and, and the sort of reverse ferreting of their initial decision and, and, and unalternately pressure on them to make a different decision. So you've got this sort of tapestry of goings on with respect to CMA. It doesn't really paint a great picture. But I think, you know, is it is it now the case that you've got the de facto prohibitation? I don't think so. I think it's more the case that you are going to see more phase two investigations. You're going to see greater demands with respect to remedies. And I think that's generally in sync, actually, with what's happening in the United States with the FTC and indeed DG Comp. Right. So what we're saying here is not a de facto prohibition of such acquisitions, but if you are a business executive sitting on the West Coast thinking about buying up another company in the tech sector, you have to factor into those business decisions quite lengthy antitrust processes, uh, not just in the usual places that you had to worry about pre-Brexit, which is obviously Brussels and the States and other jurisdictions, but also in London as well. But I think I think the key point is that you may be sitting in the United States thinking about acquiring another tech player. And it's very likely that if it's a very significant company that you're seeking to acquire and you yourself are a significant company, the market share conditions will be met and you'll have to face this trifold um, investigation by CMA, DG Comp, uh, FTC, or, or indeed the DOJ in the United States and other international regulators. But the difference with the UK is that you really can't appeal their decisions based on the merits of the case. It's sort of, they call it a judicial review type process. You, you really got to look at sort of grotesque ineptitude in order to overturn their decisions, essentially. But in the US, and you saw this uh, with respect to the Microsoft Activision deal, in the US, yes. The regulator is as robust as the CMA and calm, you know, went hell for leather trying to block the Microsoft Activision deal. But ultimately, the courts in California took a different view. And they said that her theories did not stand up and they allowed it to proceed. So I think that's the core difference. With the CMA, they've essentially got the ability to do what they want without much external independent input from, say, the courts. Whereas in other jurisdictions, you know, they are much more checked. Okay. So yeah. So in some senses, when we see media coverage around the decisions that the CMA takes or the process about the CMA and the impact that its decisions have potentially on investment in the UK and innovation within the tech sector, to some extent that's about the choices that the CMA is making in terms of which decisions it takes to a phase two investigation, to which decisions it decides to block, but also it's around the processes and the procedural power almost that the CMA has compared to other authorities and the way in which it takes those above and beyond the particular preferences it expresses. Joe, if I can just pick up one final point that you mentioned or you alluded to earlier on around the pressure that the CMA came under with regards to Microsoft Activision. If I'm right in thinking, you're talking about, say, for instance, Jeremy Hunt, the UK Chancellor, talked at the time of Microsoft Activision about the need for regulators to consider their responsibilities for economic growth. 
And no doubt in private, there were other forms of exchanges or communications, probably quite guarded, but no doubt the government's position was probably well known. To what extent do you think the government, say whether it's a treasury, number 10, or other parts of the government, are worried about the impact of the CMA's decisions? And should we anticipate any interventions from the government, legislative or otherwise, in this regard? Certainly, there is a degree of worry, but it, of course, has to be recognised that the CMA is a non-ministerial department. It's essentially completely independent. You know, there are occasionally, I think, on a monthly basis, or it certainly used to be the case, meetings between the Secretary of State that that notionally oversees the CMA and the the CMA's chief executive. But there isn't really any ability of government ministers to influence their decisions. They, they can set legally uh, non-binding non steers for the agency, but that's about it. And of course, they can change the law. But I think you know, this, this pressure that was applied seemingly by Jeremy Hum, you know, it, it did ultimately result in the CMA, you know, not just because of that political pressure, but you know, also other regulators, indeed companies themselves. It did result in the CMA backing down, having a new inquiry that resulted in a different outcome. But I think to this point about politics and, and concern, I think there is some. And ultimately, there's very little that government actors can do. I think in addition, Joe, to the political pressure, I think there is also the commercial and consumer pressure that probably the CMA started to think about with the Microsoft Activision case when it became clear that Microsoft Activision were considering closing the deal everywhere but the UK. And that consequence, whether that would feed through to the experience of UK consumers in that regard, I think was quite an important factor in demonstrating to the CMA that their attempt to block the merger globally would be challenged by the merging parties and create a real ongoing saga that I don't think the CMA was really willing, probably partly because of that political pressure you point out, but they weren't really willing to take that forward over a prolonged period. So just to thank you very much for taking us through that, we'll obviously keep a very, very close eye on all the various different tech mergers that are coming up. There's obviously telecoms mergers in the works as well. And we'll make sure that where there are major developments, whether that's on the merger and acquisition side or indeed on the digital markets, competition and consumers bill, we'll come back and revisit some of these themes in future podcasts. For those who have been listening, if you or your business or indeed investments that you are making are affected by any of the themes that Joe has been talking us through today, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find the contact details for Joe, for myself, for other team members on the podcast notes or on our website, www.global-council.com. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.